Hello, you are listening to an episode of Trade Talks, a podcast about the economics of trade policy. I'm Samir Keynes, the Trade and Globalization Editor for The Economist. And I'm Chad Bown, a senior fellow with the Peterson Institute for International Economics. This episode is about technological progress. And I think we all agree that in some vague sense, technology enabled globalization. Technology enabled outsourcing, offshoring, all those things that politicians in rich countries hate. But a lot of the time, when people talk about this, they're talking in generalities. In this episode, we want to get into the mechanics of how a particular kind of digital revolution changed manufacturing. Now, for you hip young listeners, you probably can't even imagine what life was like before the internet. There weren't even smartphones. I remember my first mobile phone, the brick. (sighs) For a lot of people, the really amazing thing in the 1990s was these awesome inventions called websites. But what was really transforming manufacturing was the ability of companies to communicate behind the scenes electronically. So how this matters for trade is that all this communication meant that suddenly you didn't have to have everything in the same place. You could have fragmented production. So maybe you could have your headquarters in New York, and then you could very, very easily make stuff in Alabama and communicate with your plants there. So this is supply chains. Having longer fragmented supply chains becomes a lot easier. Or you could even make stuff overseas. Some of that fragmentation could actually happen across borders. It really does make sense that companies would want to to start to use this technology. It makes it easier for them to access cheaper workers. And it meant that they could access suppliers who have lower costs because they're serving lots and lots of customers. Those suppliers can invest in massive pieces of machinery and therefore get economies of scale. So the economic question that we're going to be asking here is... What was the impact of all of this electronic communication? What effect did it have on the fragmentation of production? Did it lead to to fragmentation within the US? Or was it actually a stronger driver of massive amounts of offshoring overseas? To talk about what happened, we are going to hear from a very special guest. I'm Teresa Fort, and I'm an associate professor at the Tech School of Business at Dartmouth. Okay, so before we dive into to what Teresa did, for the purposes of this episode, you need to keep three things in mind. The first is the very broad digital revolution and the digitization of the production process. Over the first decade of the 2000s, companies were increasingly adopting electronic communications to use in their production. The second is, believe it or not, even a bit more jargony, sorry about this, but it's something we're going to refer to as CAD-CAM? C-A-D-C-A-M. CAD is computer-aided design, and it is a software in which a manufacturer can put all of the product specifications for the good that it is making into that software. So every single measurement, every unit, it is all recorded very precisely. CAM is computer-aided manufacturing. CAM is the ability to take a CAD file plug it into the CAM software, and then something like a water jet will cut out, following the CAD specifications, exactly the product that is specified in the CAD file. So think of electronic communications as this general digitization of your production processes. And CAD-CAM is more specific. It's the software that allows you to share designs and product specifications. 
Okay, and this is going to be really important later. CAD-CAM is not helpful for everyone. Some industries just don't really use it. It's just not compatible with their processes, even if they have digitized production. The third thing you need to know about is contract manufacturing. That's when you're a company and you ask a different manufacturing company to make something for you. Or put another way, when production is fragmented between your company and theirs. So contract manufacturing services are purchases of manufacturing services in which the purchasing firm is going to provide very detailed directions to the supplier in terms of what it wants. So these are not just off-the-shelf inputs. These are goods that are made to match specific criteria of the buyer. So you could think about Apple as a canonical example of a firm that purchases contract manufacturing services. It is not actually a manufacturer in the U.S., but it specifies how it wants the iPhone to be made, the types of inputs that are going to be used, and then it outsources with a supplier Foxconn in particular, we, we know, in China, to make that product. But not all purchases of contract manufacturing services have to be outside the boundary of the firm. Firms could also decide to have different plants within the, the firm where they might specify how they want, let's say, the uh, electronic components to be made that are going to all go into uh, a phone or computer or, or other type of electronic product. And the, the important Part of it is just that these are customized for the particular buyer. So with those definitions out of the way, let's talk about Teresa's paper. And so she's essentially asking what the impact of all of this technological change was. And she started off by asking people. So she went to a bunch of contract manufacturing trade shows and she asked them what all of this electronic communication had done for them. For example, I talked to a gasket manufacturer and he told me that back in the day before they could use the internet, their customers had to fax them a printout of what they wanted their gasket to look like with all the specifications. The engineers would look at it, they would call the customer, they would ask questions, and they would eventually use that drawing to cut a tool and the whole process would take hours and cost hundreds of dollars. Now, in contrast, they can have a customer email them a CAD CAM file. They email them that CAD file that has all of the specifications in the electronic format. They take the CAD file, plug it into their computer-aided manufacturing software, and for just a few cents and in a matter of just a few seconds, they have a prototype that looks exactly like what the customer wants. So for them, there was a big reduction in terms of the time and cost of being able to produce this customized product for their customer. So from all these anecdotes, it looked like this technological progress was a really big deal. But obviously, Teresa wanted more than just anecdotes. She also wanted data. And she got it. The data she found is from the 2002 and 2007 surveys of manufacturers in the U.S., and it includes information on whether companies are using these electronic communications and also whether they are using contract manufacturing services and outsourcing their production. Now, this all sounds really technical, but but at the time, there was a lot of political heat around this issue of offshoring or, or sending production overseas. I remember this is a really big issue between John Kerry and, and George W. Bush in the 2004 U.S. presidential election. 
And in these surveys that Teresa has, she could actually see what's going on. So actually, I was quite surprised to see in the data that purchases of contract manufacturing services domestically, so from other domestic suppliers, are far more prevalent than offshore purchases. So despite all the political attention that offshoring was getting, I saw that 27% of U.S. establishments are purchasing contract manufacturing services from other domestic suppliers and only about 2% from foreign suppliers. But then when you look carefully at the data, what you see is that there's big differences in the firm establishments that purchase these services domestically versus offshore. The domestic purchases are bigger than the establishments that don't purchase contract manufacturing services. And then the ones that purchase them primarily offshore are even bigger than the domestic guys. So that in the aggregate, these big firms probably still matter, even though there are very few of them. Okay, so really not very many companies are buying from foreign suppliers. Domestic fragmentation seems to be much more common. But the companies that are buying from foreign suppliers are buying a lot. Those companies that that do buy contract manufacturing services are really not the same as the ones that don't, and in other ways too. So what I see are systematic differences in terms of size and productivity for establishments that purchase contract manufacturing services. Establishments that purchase these services domestically are larger than non-purchasers and more productive. And then those establishments that source primarily overseas are even bigger and more productive. They're more than twice as large relative to non-purchasers. Teresa also had data showing where companies were getting this contract manufacturing from. The answer will stun you. (laughs) turns out that China is by far the number one location. So 80% of the establishments that report purchasing contract manufacturing services primarily from foreign countries are also importing from China. And that dominates relative to all other locations. And of course, that also fits with the evidence we know about U.S. firms sourcing from China after the WTO accession. So in this data set, Teresa finds a smoking gun. She has this measure of whether companies are using electronic communications, and she can see whether companies are using these contract manufacturing services. And when she looks at a group of those companies between 2002 and 2007, she finds that the ones who start using electronic communications are three percentage points more likely to fragment their production. And when she says fragment their production, that could be to another company in the U.S., or it could be overseas. Now, obviously, if those two things are happening at the same time, it could be that one is causing the other, or it could be that just something else is going on, right? So the the question now is how to show that it's actually the technological change that is driving the outsourcing. And this is where a different source of data comes in. So fortunately, I was able to find a 1999 survey that the census did on technology questions where they asked individual manufacturing establishments whether they use CAD-CAM in their production process. And I was able to use that survey just to construct an industry-level measure of the intensity of CAD-CAM use across very detailed manufacturing industries. And there I saw that there's some industries like semiconductor machinery manufacturing where almost every single establishment uses CAD-CAM in the production process. In contrast, there's other industries like textile and apparel manufacturing where it's a much lower share of establishments that use CAD-CAM. Okay, so 
If this technological innovation is causing all of this outsourcing in the 2000s, then you really should expect to see more outsourcing in those industries where both electronic communications are being adopted and where CAD CAM can actually be used. You should expect to see more outsourcing in places where the technology is just really useful. Uh, so just to, just to come up with a parallel, um, imagine you're trying to work out whether listening to nerdy, awesome podcasts like Trade Talks leads to better test scores. And, and over time, listener numbers are rising and also test scores are rising. But you know what? Maybe something else is driving that relationship. Maybe. Um, and so one test to see, you know, is it really trade talks is you can look to see whether there are particularly big increases among people who take courses where the podcasts are actually super relevant to their course. So if it's really trade talks, then you should expect to see particularly big increases in scores among people who listen and people who are also taking trade courses where the podcast is actually relevant to their course. So the idea is for technology to be driving the outsourcing, you should see really strong increases in outsourcing for companies that are using the electronic communication that were also using CAD CAM. So what I find is exactly that for the likelihood that a firm decides to purchase contract manufacturing services. I see that, yes, on average, those firms that are using electronic communication in their production process are more likely to purchase contract manufacturing services, but the impact is much, much bigger for those firms that are in these high CAD CAM intensive industries. So think about those machinery, semiconductor machinery manufacturing establishments. There, there's a really big bang from using that communication technology. In contrast, in apparel, where there's very few establishments that tend to use CAD CAM in production, electronic communication doesn't seem to make such a big difference. You just don't get the big advantage there. Okay, so remember, you can use these contract manufacturing services to outsource to somewhere in the US or overseas. And so just thinking about this question of whether all this technological progress encourages offshoring, so movements overseas, if that were the case, you would expect industries that were able to use CAD-CAM to display a really strong relationship between adopting electronic communications and offshoring. But... That is not what Teresa found. In fact, she found the opposite. When I looked to see whether the guys that are purchasing these services are more likely to purchase from foreign countries, there I actually found a negative relationship. In other words, those firms that use electronic communication and production, if they're in CAD-CAM intensive industries, they're actually less likely to purchase these contract manufacturing services offshore relative to purchasing them domestically. Teresa worried that she'd made a mistake. Well, at first I was worried that there was something wrong either in the data or in my code. But then when I talked more to the guys that actually purchase and sell these services, what I learned is that you can't just take a very low-skilled worker and have them use this CAD-CAM technology. It actually requires these engineers who are relatively sophisticated. So what seems to be going on here is that the the type of technological improvement that she's measuring is actually really, really complex. And so it's actually more likely to lead to outsourcing to places where there's enough skilled labor to be able to handle it. Now, you can test this, of course, by looking at whether electronic communication in CAD-CAM intensive industries is associated with more outsourcing to places with lots of highly skilled workers. 
So when I looked at that, I found exactly the intuitive relationship that we would have expected. So in other words, firms that are using electronic communication in their production process and are in more CAD-CAM intensive industries are much more likely to be purchasing inputs from high human capital countries. They're actually less likely to be purchasing them from very low human capital countries like Bangladesh. Okay, so before Teresa finishes with her summary of the results, two quick things. So so first of all, on Bangladesh, this paper is, is asking a specific question. It's not asking what other things could be driving trade, right? So um, it could be that low-cost labor is, is driving um, trade with Bangladesh. And although Teresa takes that into account, she's just not looking at that to explain the changes in trade that we saw over the 2000s. The second thing is that you might remember that we said China was the most popular place to to buy from. And that is still fine. That is completely consistent with these results. Remember, China was growing a lot over that period. You really would have expected stuff to be going on there, even without much of a digital revolution. And in this case, it just looks like the, the, the CAD CAM does not seem to have enabled that sort of trade with China, um, at least not over the period that she was looking at. So when trade increased there, something else was, was behind that. Here's Teresa. So I think there's definitely evidence that communication technology does seem to facilitate firms' ability to break apart their production processes across different locations. And it does seem to have facilitated offshoring, but it's much more nuanced than this idea that all communication technology just leads all firms to offshore more because that communication technology has to be implemented by workers. And so what we do see is that the human capital levels of the workers matter a lot in terms of firms' ability to exploit communication technology to relocate production to different places. Teresa, thank you very much. Thank you. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Okay. My takeaway from Teresa's research here is she found that when this technological change of electronic communication came around in the the late 1990s, early 2000s, it made production fragmentation easier. And that showed up for the industries that you would expect, the the companies that had the ability to use this CAD-CAM software to tell their business partners digitally what exactly they wanted to have done. But perhaps surprisingly, the effect was actually strongest for outsourcing to other companies within the United States, so not overseas. She did find some evidence that it had led to increased outsourcing overseas, but there, the manufacturing contracts seemed to go to other high-skilled countries, places that also had the engineers and expert workers who could also receive the communications in this way. I think Teresa's study is is super important to help us understand what, what was going on during the early 2000s time period. And obviously, there are lots of other technological changes happening at the same time, but it's great that she's able to isolate this one. Now, obviously, one should say that the world has, has probably changed a bit since then. Um, the number of places where highly skilled engineers are available has, has changed. Um, And also, again, there are lots of different kinds of technologies. And so one might expect different kinds of advances to have different effects. You know, we've got 3D printing, we've got AI, we've got um, blockchain. So I look forward to lots of other papers looking at at the different effects of, of all those different things. And on that note, that is all for Trade Talks. 
A huge thanks to Teresa Ford of the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth College. Do check out her paper on contract manufacturing, CAD, CAM, offshoring and outsourcing, titled Technology and Production Fragmentation, Domestic versus Foreign Sourcing. We'll make sure to post a link to the paper on the episode page of our website. That is www.tradetalkspodcast.com. Thanks also to Colin Warren, our audio guy. Do follow us on Twitter. I'm at Samaya Keynes. And I'm at Chad Bowne. And we're on at trade underscore underscore talks. That's not one but two underscores, at trade underscore underscore talks. And a special thank you to my darling cats who jumped on my recording equipment approximately five times as I was as I was recording this. That's actually less than usual. <laughs>